This is Marshall Davis. Today on the Tao of Christ, I continue my new series of broadcasts entitled The New Pilgrim's Progress, patterned after John Bunyan's 17th century classic, The Pilgrim's Progress. It is an allegorical pilgrimage through the landscape of 21st century American spirituality. Part 10, The Land of Caution. Two friends descended the mountains and followed the way toward the celestial city. In a few miles, the way joined with another road. A road sign identified the crossroads as the land of caution. At the intersection stood a fine house with a young man standing out front. They could tell by his clothing and the size of his home that he was a wealthy person. Upon seeing the pilgrims, he invited them to sit on his front porch for rest and refreshment. Since it was a hot day, they agreed. As they sat in rocking chairs drinking a cool drink, they conversed about the way. The young man spoke eloquently about the importance of morality while traveling the way. There are many temptations along the way, but I have conquered them all, he crowed. He boasted that he had kept all the Lord's commandments all his life. He asked the pilgrims if they had done the same. They admitted that they had both fallen short, but that they had been forgiven of their sins by the Lord. The young man nodded sadly. May we ask your name, the men inquired. I am known as the rich young ruler. You bear the same name as the man in the book who is traveling the way also. Are you he? I am indeed. How did you get this far? We are told in the book that you are not able to enter the gate because of your many possessions. I have found another way. The road you see here to your right is a much more reasonable path than the way you have come. Why did you not enter by the gate? You mean the door they call the Eye of the Needle? That was far too narrow for my liking. I would have had to give up my wealth and title. Even though I loved the Lord, I knew in my heart that it was not necessary to do something as drastic as that. I can worship and serve the Lord just as well in my fine house, in my fine clothing. People around here respect me greatly. I have financed the building of a large church just down the road in the town of Caution. In fact, they elected me chairman of the board of trustees. You should come and worship with us this Sunday. We are on the way to the celestial city. As fine as your house and your church are, they are not the celestial city. Forgive me for saying so, said Truthful, but I believe that your wealth and success have hindered you from reaching the goal of the spiritual life. You are mistaken. Everyone knows that one cannot reach the celestial city in this lifetime. I am perfectly content to serve the Lord in my own humble way while on earth and see him in the next life. I do not believe that you will see him at all. You must obey the Lord. He has told you to sell all that you have and give it to the poor and follow him. The rich young ruler grimaced. I see that you are religious fanatics. Why are there so many extremists on the way? Aren't there any sensible believers in the world anymore? Then he turned his back on the pilgrims who went into his house. Sensing that this was an invitation to leave, they put down their glasses and walked down the front steps. As they stepped onto the road, they could hear weeping coming from within the house. If only he could find it in his heart to return and enter by the narrow gate, said Pilgrim. Truthful sighed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. 
A few more miles down the road, the travelers heard laughter. Where is that coming from? It sounds like people filled with love and joy. Perhaps we are nearer than we thought to the celestial city. No, it appears to be coming from down that long driveway. Let's turn aside and see who these people are. Truthful was hesitant. I don't know. You know what happened last time we took a detour. I promise we will come right back to the way in a few minutes. Don't these people sound like they are filled with the joy of the Lord? What could be the harm in saying hello to them? Pilgrim started off down the driveway and Truthful reluctantly followed. Soon they came to a large farmhouse. There was a gaggle of children playing in the yard. As soon as they approached, the children ran up to them smiling. One little girl gave Truthful a big hug, which took the scowl off his face immediately. A woman, who appeared to be in her forties, came out of the house wiping her hands on her apron. The aroma of fresh bread followed her across the yard. Welcome, pilgrims. We do not get many visitors here. Come, take a load off your feet. Is there anything I can get you? Just a little water would be fine. We had refreshment a short time ago at the house of the rich young ruler. Very nice man, she replied, and very generous to our church. This time it was Pilgrim's turn to scowl. You attend his church? Yes, we do. It is the only church in these parts. But we are not rich like he is. We gave up all claim to possessions when we entered through the gate. Pilgrim breathed a sigh of relief. They followed the woman to the porch, where they sat down on a porch swing. After they had received glasses of cold water from the spring in the yard, Pilgrim asked, How is it that you have settled here and not continued to the celestial city? I met my husband while traveling on the way. He helped me through the valley of the shadow of death, and I fell in love with him. We were married in the church of the rich young ruler and decided to settle right here. We have a wonderful life. The Lord has blessed us with seven beautiful children. We grow all our own food. We are very active in our church. We have gone on several mission trips to the Shadowlands, and I volunteer at the Crisis Pregnancy Center. But you never resumed your journey to the Celestial City. No, our family and church obligations prohibit us. Family first is our motto. That is very commendable, but are you not putting your family above the Lord? She smiled. We love the Lord by loving our family. We are raising good, moral, God-fearing children. Would you like to hear them sing Edelweiss? No, that's all right, but didn't the Lord warn us not to put anyone before him, even our families? I seem to remember that he said, Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Yes, our Lord did say that, but our pastor teaches that he did not mean that literally. On another occasion, he said it, Even stronger added truth, for he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. He obviously did not mean that literally. He was speaking in hyperbole. He was all about love, not hate. Jesus may not want us to hate anyone, but he called his disciples from their families. They said to him, We have left our homes to follow you. Yes, but Jesus did not marry or have a family, neither did the Apostle Paul. In fact, Paul said it was better not to marry. That is true, but I am sure our Lord loved his earthly family. He was all about family values. 
Pilgrim responded, Jesus said, Who is my mother, and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Truthful interrupted, Have you and your husband ever thought about bringing your whole family with you to the celestial city? We have talked about it, but our life is here, and we are very content. Besides, the way is too dangerous for children, and we have an obligation to keep them safe. Several of them have not yet reached the age of accountability. She glanced nervously over her shoulder. Oh my goodness, I have forgotten all about my bread. It will will burn for sure. Nice to meet you, she said as she raced into the house. Stop in and see us on your way back. On your way back, muttered Pilgrim. I'm not planning on coming back. This is a one-way trip, not a holiday excursion. As nice as these people are, I think we need to get back on the road, decided Truthful. Or she might try to set us up with some of her friends at church, smiled Pilgrim. They put down their glasses and stepped off the porch. As they walked down the driveway, they heard music coming from the house. They turned to see the seven children lined up on the porch, singing, So long, farewell, auf Wiedersehen, adieu. The two walked for hours, finally stopping to rest at the edge of a copse of trees near a brook. They drank from the flowing water and rested in the shade. What is that? said Pilgrim, pointing. What are you talking about? There in the trees, it looks like an animal of some sort. As if on cue, a strange creature emerged from the undergrowth. Mr. Tumnus, shouted Pilgrim. No, I am not Tumnus, the creature said with a scowl, and this is not Narnia. Sometimes I wish Jack had never written those books. But you look just like the character in the Chronicles of Narnia. You are even wearing a scarf. Please notice that mine is brown, not red like in the books. What fawn would wear a red scarf? He would not blend into the wood. Except in autumn, of course. I'm sorry, you are exactly how I picture Tumnus. That is because the professor patterned his fictional character after me. Therefore, it is understandable that you would be confused. May I ask your name? It is Gida. I would add that I am much more famous than that Nardian creature. I am not in a children's tale. I am in the book. Where exactly are you mentioned in the book? The Lord told a story about the sheep and the goats. Do you remember it? Of course I do. It is one of the most powerful scenes in all of Scripture. The Good Shepherd will separate the sheep from the goats based on what they did or did not do in life. But if you are one of those goats, what are you doing here? According to the Lord, the goats are thrown into eternal fire. No, no, no. He was just talking about something that might happen in the future. You mean will happen in the future? No, I mean might. When he hears all the facts, the shepherd may decide differently. There are extenuating circumstances that the Lord did not take into consideration when telling that story. For instance, there are good reasons why the sheep do all those good deeds and goats do not. Please explain. Gladly. The book says that the sheep Feed the hungry, welcome strangers, clothe the naked, tend the sick, and visit prisoners, right? Correct. But does not explain that poor people are hungry because they are lazy. That is why I do not give them food. It doesn't help them in the long run. It keeps them dependent on welfare. 
They need to get off their lazy butts and earn their keep. Doesn't the book say, He who does not work, neither shall he eat? By not feeding them, I am helping them get on their feet. The book says, God helps those who help themselves. No, it doesn't. Actually, Ben Franklin said that. Well, still true, whoever said it. Furthermore, I do not welcome strangers because they're dangerous. Stranger danger, my mother called it. Most strangers are illegal immigrants, you know, and immigrants are all terrorists, drug dealers, criminals, and rapists. I'm sure there may be a few good ones, but you can never be too careful. Plus, they are taking all our jobs. Well, how about the sick? Why do you not visit them? I might get sick. HIV and leprosy and things like that, they are highly contagious. Actually, they are not. Well, there are plenty of other contagious diseases. I read recently that a hospital is one of the most dangerous places for healthy people. All those superbugs and things. How about people in prison? I guess I can guess why you do not visit them. All drug dealers, criminals, and rapists, right? Why else would they be in prison? Then why did the sheep in the story help all those people? Sheep aren't too smart, you know. Always getting fleeced. They get lost easily and have to be carried by the shepherd. They can't climb at all, not like us goats. I never understood why the Lord preferred sheep over goats and used them as examples of believers. They are dumb animals who can't think for themselves. Goats are so much wiser. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes. What was that you said? Nothing. Well, we have to be going now. See you at the last judgment. Two pilgrims abruptly turn to continue on their way. If you make it to Aslan's land, say hi to Lucy for me, Gita mocked. And Reaper Cheap, he added, chuckling. A little way down the road, Truthful spoke. To be honest, I don't think I am very different than Gita. How so? I don't really aid the poor. I give some money to relief organizations on occasion. When a hurricane or flood strikes, I will text a few dollars to the Red Cross. But that is the extent of my care for the needy. I spend more on my cell phone service than I do on aid to the poorest of the poor. I have never invited a stranger into my home. I admit I am afraid of people who look and speak differently than I do. The only people I have ever visited in the hospital were family and friends, and I have never been inside a prison. I guess I am a goat. Now that you put it that way, I see what you mean, Pilgrim replied. I have helped out at the church soup kitchen and homeless shelter, but it never cost me more than a few hours a month. I marched in a protest of the government's immigration policy, but I have never personally done anything for immigrants. Like you, I have never known a prisoner. I guess we need to look at our own lives before we condemn the goats, take the plank out of our own eyes and all that. Did you ever notice that in the story of the sheep and the goats there is no mention of faith? It's all what you do or don't do. That doesn't fit the party line about salvation by grace through faith, does it? No, it doesn't. It reminds me of something that our Lord said in his Sermon on the Mount. He said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and cast out demons in your name, and do many mighty works in your name? Then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Sounds like it's not enough just to believe in Jesus as Lord, even if that is backed up by powerful preaching ministries and great works. 
Perhaps salvation is not as simple as we thought it was. They traveled the next few miles in silence, each re-examining their own faith and deeds. They were so deep in thought that they were not paying attention to the road. They nearly bumped into a soldier standing in the middle of the path. He was dressed like a Roman centurion in full armor. Halt! In the name of the King of Kings, the man ordered. They halted and gawked at the powerful figure with his drawn sword. Sir, we are two humble servants of your king on our way to the capital. You are not dressed like his servants. Where is your armor? Do you mean the full armor of God that I received at First Baptist Church, Pilgrim asked? I am afraid I left that on the ground when I faced Abaddon. The centurion looked impressed. Do you mean to say that you faced the great demon in battle? Even I have not seen him face to face. How did you defeat him? Well, to tell the truth, I saw right through him. He is not real at all, just a creation of my fears. That is why I left my armor and weapons on the battlefield. I did not need them after all. Liar! He is a powerful foe of our lord and king. He would not let anyone go without a fierce fight. He did not let me go. I defeated him without violence. Impossible! Force is the way of God. My king is a great warrior. The book says, The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has cast into the sea. He fought for his people when Joshua entered the promised land. He fought for Saul and David and Solomon. The Lord will go forth like a warrior. He will arouse his zeal like a man of war. He will utter a shout. Yes, he will raise a war cry. He will prevail against his enemies. Truthful responded. The book certainly says all those things, but it also says that our Lord is a God of peace. He sent his son into the world to be the Prince of Peace. Pilgrim agreed, I have found that nonviolence is more powerful than the sword. That is why our Lord told Peter to put away a sword, saying, For those who live by the sword will perish by the sword. I live by the sword all my life. Our Lord said that he had not found greater faith than mine in all of Israel. He was commending your faith, not your choice of careers. Our Lord was clearly a man of nonviolence. He said, You have heard that it was said, An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, Do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. Perhaps he said that, but I have not found that to be so, replied the soldier. My experience is that enemies respect only force. Force, yes, but soul force, not military force. Now you sound like Gandhi or Martin Luther King. You know them? I have met them. They have both come this way, and they said exactly what you are saying. I told them the same thing I'm telling you. Perhaps why that is why you have been content to stand your ground here and not continue your journey to the celestial city, Truthful observed. The centurion was quiet. Indeed, I have tried to cross the river ahead, but it meant shedding my armor and sword. That I am unwilling to do. The three of them stood silently for a few moments, contemplating the gravity of that statement. You may pass, the Roman finally said. Though I may not agree with your ways, you are clearly servants of the king. The two pilgrims walked on. 
Round the next corner, the travellers met another man. This one was dressed much like them and was about the same age. He had a copy of the book under his arm, a smile on his face, and he was singing a contemporary worship song that Pilgrim recognized from his church in the Shadowlands. As he got closer, he recognized the man. His name was Evangelical. He was a part of the worship team at Pilgrim's church. Upon seeing each other, they embraced. Pilgrim introduced him to Truthful, and then spent the next half hour catching up. It has been a year or more since I last saw you, Pilgrim said. I had heard that you left for the Celestial City. In fact, your example was the inspiration for my own journey. What are you doing here? I thought for sure that you would have reached your goal by now. Because you are a brother in Christ, I will be honest with you. I made it all the way to the riverbank, but I could not bring myself to cross to the Celestial City. Why is that? There are several reasons. One is similar to the centurion down the road. I also have a problem with making that last journey unarmed. Evangelical put out his handgun. The sidearm has come in handy several times in my journey. Who knows what enemies might dwell beyond the river. There may be pirates on that river or sea monsters under it. I would feel naked without some means of self-defense. But if the Lord wants you to lay down your arms for that final leg of the journey... Would he not protect you? I would hope so, but I believe it was the Lord who led me to carry this gun in the first place. That is how he protects me, through the Second Amendment. You said there were several reasons. What are the others? Not only would I have to leave my handgun behind, but I would have to leave behind my spiritual weapon as well, he said, raising his Bible. You mean the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God? Yes, I was required to leave behind the book. But if the author of the book asked you to do that, then he must have a good reason. The Spirit of the Lord told me that I would not need it on the other shore. He said I would hear the word directly from the mouth of God who would not need the book. His exact words were, When that which is perfect comes and that which is imperfect shall pass away. That sounds pretty good to me, chimed in Truthful. Sounds scary to me. This book is the inerrant, infallible word of God. He would never ask me to abandon it. But I thought you said he did exactly that. Yes, he did. That's the problem. I'm wondering if it was the voice of the Lord or the voice of the enemy. Can't you tell the difference? They do not sound anything alike to me. That is what I thought, but I can't accept that there is a higher authority than the book. What other reason prevented you from crossing the river to the Celestial City? That is where it gets even worse. I was asked to abandon my political principles. No Republicans in heaven were his exact words. What? Pilgrim Truthful said in unison. No religious right allowed in the Celestial City. Are they all a bunch of liberals over there? No, apparently there are no Democrats there either. No leftists or socialists. We have to leave all of that on this side. He paused. There's even more added evangelical. I was asked to give up my beliefs. All your beliefs? Including your religious beliefs? Yes. No religion in heaven. No doctrines. Those who would cross over must put aside creeds and dogma and cross the river by faith alone. Pilgrim paused to ponder that statement. After a few moments, Truthful cautiously spoke, As much as I love truth, I know deep down that truth is not a set of ideas. 
The Lord is truth. Is that not not what it said over the gate by which we entered on this way? Yes, the Lord is the way, the truth, and the life. But the great doctrines of our faith have been our guides for centuries. How can we be asked to put them aside now? Are they not true? Perhaps they are true, but they are not true with a capital T, responded truthful. There is a difference. Is there any more? Pilgrim asked Evangelical wearily. Yes, we cannot bring our righteousness. You have got to be kidding me. Are you sure about that? I thought righteousness was an integral part of the kingdom of God. Yes, God's righteousness, but not our own. I was told that because there is no evil in the city, there is also no good. You can't have one without the other. It is a land beyond good and evil, beyond truth and falsehood, beyond right and wrong. It is beyond anything we can imagine. In short, if we are to travel the final leg of our journey, we have to leave behind everything that defines us, everything that separates us from others and from God. The three stood in silence. Finally, Evangelical spoke. I found it more than I could stomach. I am a Bible-believing Christian. I am a conservative. I am an Evangelical. I am a defender of all that is right and good against all that is wrong. I knew that if I agreed to put aside all these things, I would never make it across that river alive. Even if I did, I would no longer be myself on the other side. Without these values, who am I? What am I? That's why I remain here and watch others go on. Pilgrim shook his head in empathy. I understand completely. If what you say is true, and I know you are a person of the highest integrity, then I may stay with you. But first, I have to see the river for myself. I think you will agree with me, said Evangelical, for I know you are a genuine believer. I hope you return and we can have fellowship together. I have been thinking about building a church on the riverbank for those of us unwilling to compromise our Christian beliefs and values. You can help me start the church. I have already written some new songs. Evangelical peered into Pilgrim's eyes, hoping for confirmation of his beliefs. I need to see the river first, then I will decide. I have come too far not to get a good look at my destination. With these words, Pilgrim strode off with Truthful beside him. You have been listening to The New Pilgrim's Progress. The series is available in book format under the title The Seeker's Journey, a contemporary retelling of Pilgrim's Progress at Amazon.com. You can find my podcast at thedowelchrist.com. You can find my blog at marshalldavis.us. Join me next time for another episode of the New Pilgrim's Progress on the Dow of Christ.